Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Elon here. Uh, before we start the show, which is a really fun one, I just wanted to make a quick little announcement. Uh, Brian and I were planning on discussing this on the show, but then you know we got lost in all the excitement talking about mock drafts. So uh, just really quickly, we wanted to mention that our uh, $1 summer promotion on our Patreon is officially over. So like we're going to be t- turning that off on Patreon. So now if you want to sign up to be a patron, uh, yeah, we're, we're into the regular season pretty much. Uh, for anyone who's currently on the $1 promotion, like don't worry, you can still hang out in our discord till the end of the month and then we'll be flipping it back to the the five dollar level uh and this is of course to be a patron of keeping carlson where you get access to our discord and also you become eligible to play in the keeping carlson ultimate patron fantasy league which we talk about a lot on this upcoming show also if you're going to be signing up to be a patron or if you're going to be converting one option that we're going to be throwing up on our patreon is an annual membership uh we're going to give a eight percent discount to people who want to just like pay for the the full year all in one go and so that'll be all up on keepingcarlson.com slash patron so yeah just wanted to get that all out there enjoy the show it was a really fun one and yes yeah, super stoked for this upcoming year of fantasy hockey carlson carlson världens bästa carlson 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 Hoi, här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson skulle jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Yes, welcome everybody to another episode of Keep Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who can finally tell our wives, look, I'm not even that obsessed with fantasy hockey, just wait until you meet these two guys. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky. With me is the fantasy hockey robot, Brian Com, and a couple other people that we'll introduce in just a sec. But first, Brian, how's it going? Great to talk to you. Hey, Elon. I'm good. I actually, I just drafted what I think is my best mock draft team of the season. I, I've like, we're, we just started what? Mock draft 28 in our mm-hmm. like cupful like mock draft discord so we're doing all these mock slow drafts we'll, t- we'll, we'll talk a lot more about that shortly but this is my third and uh, i've been i've been trying to strategy I, I guess i don't need to jump too far ahead uh of well, what I'm don't doing. tease us now what, what was the strategy okay so the strategy <laughs> is I, i'm i'm trying to fade i'm considering fading d and seeing like what it leaves me with um and I really like so and I've done it a bunch of times from the like I, I drafted from the like 12 spot out of 14 teams. Um, but this time around, I drafted from the three spot 
And uh, I really, really like my team. Do you want, <laughs> so wh- which D, do you tell, want to hear it? I mean, maybe not the whole team, but obviously you got a lot of good forwards and, and I guess goalies. But so which D did you end up with when you faded? Them? Okay. Yeah. So, well, you're not going to agree all of a sudden that this is a, a worthwhile team. What so I got, I, I made a mistake. Okay. I, I was, things were going really well. Um, and then I, so I drafted the couple has uh, 18 rounds, right? You need four defensemen on your roster. There's four active spots. So uh, I, in round 10, I drafted Michael Matheson. And then round Solid. 11, I, I took Sean Dursey. I thought you hate him, but okay. No, I, I don't. Well, now you like him because he's on Arizona. But Arizona now has him and Valamaki. It could be him or Valamaki. Have, or yeah. Dumba. I don't know. It's not, I not. don't think it's going to be Dumba. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then in the 16... And then, so I made a mistake. I drafted three goalies in a row. I didn't need the second one. That's fine. Uh, in 13, 14, 15. But if I didn't draft the second one, I would have had Shane Goss to spare. But that's besides the point. I ended up with Brady Shea in round 16, who Love I him. also hate, according to you. And <laughs> uh, and Kaylin Addison uh, with my final pick. So, like, it's not a great decor. I've got Michael Matheson and Sean Dursey, hopefully, both with some kind of challenge for the power play happening, but one that I think they'll win out. And then two guys that I will, like, very possibly churn. I mean, this is a mock, right? This is seeing what who fell to me at those. But, like, my forward group, I feel like more that I, I, I don't have any forward weaknesses. I like my goalies. So maybe a little bit of fine-tuning still to come. But that's... uh. There it is. Interesting. Well, hey, that's the whole point of this episode. We're going to be talking all about the mock drafts that we've been doing. Like you said, Brian, we've been doing 28 of them. You've done three. I've done a couple. And I've got a couple weirdos here on the call who have done, I don't even know how many, but they'll tell us in just a moment. Uh, I guess as, uh, before I introduce them, let me just really quickly just uh, set the table here in terms of like, first of all, Keeping Carlson proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. Check it out. The guide is out. Uh, it's already been updated since the Carlson trade and they keep updating it. It's really good. So uh, that's DauberHockey.com. And uh, Brian's been talking about the Cupful. For people who don't know, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. Uh, we're already August 13th, which means we're going to be draft. We might be starting drafting like a month from now or soon after that. And the registration deadline is around the start of September. Basically, if you want to play in our Ultimate League, uh, it's not too late to register. Anyone who registers can get in. Uh, even if you played last year, you still have to register. Even if you won your league, and you because we don't know, some, some people might not want to come back. So definitely get in the Discord. If you're not a patron, Keeping Carlson.com slash patron, uh, get in the Discord. Come on in. It's going to be a lot of fun. And like uh, Brian said, we've been already practicing. You're, you're already behind. Yeah. You got to get I'm in gonna, and start practicing. And if you if you are behind, kkupfl.com is how you can find all the info to join, what it's all about. Like this is a, last year we had over 600 managers worldwide at all different skills. And if you ever want to like match your skills against the best of the best and 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 have the right to say yes i am one of the or the best fantasy hockey manager in the world this is this is your way to do it. i'm actually wearing my 2018 uh cupful uh-huh. ultimate champion shirt the classic old carlson I, mustache I need a logo. new one it's getting a little ratty but i, I don't <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna be i, I think I'm, I'm kind of far from it right anyway kkupfl.com there's custom stats there's bots there's like Elon and I commission it's it's amazing it's going to be amazing Season we're going to make it good yeah all right so like I said uh the, the plan for this episode is we're going to be talking about all of these mock drafts and having a lot of insights and Brian and I since we've only done a couple 
It's not up to us to do this. So let me introduce the two guests we have. Two people who have been participating in many, many of these mock drafts and have a ton of cool insights to share. First of all, you've heard him on our podcast feed before, and he's back. Uh, He's also, I I see, coming up on five years as a patron. So thank you so much for being an awesome member of our community since 2018. Uh, Back on the show, Mason Geddes, a.k.a. Ginger Flow. How's it going, Mason? It's going well. Thanks, Elon. I remember that first year. I was thinking earlier today how good Oliver Ekman Larson was that year and how he helped me win my league and uh, how far he's fallen since then. The 20 goal season. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's been a while. Um, But yeah, I've done uh, seven mocks here, which I guess the start of July isn't that many. So uh, I don't know. I guess it's enough to have some insights to share. And um, I've been feeling good pretty pretty good about my teams and i'm looking forward to the actual draft coming up in a couple months yeah it's gonna be so fun uh, by the way do you want to take a guess oliver ekman larson i have data uh i should mention kevin a bear has been compiling all the data from the mock drafts we've been doing and i've got it here in a spreadsheet up to a uh, mock draft 24 so it's you know it's a little bit behind but of the 24 mock drafts we have the data for how many do you think oel has been drafted in uh i think Pretty much all of them. Um, I would, let's say two thirds. Um, (laughs) I I actually thought it was a trick question. Like I would have guessed like zero, but since you're asking one. It's a two, according to this data. So maybe Mason's a big OEL fan still from helping him win his league five years ago. Uh, My impression was that people were, you know, thinking that to start the year, he would be, uh, you know, getting some power play time in Florida. And so he'd be a good late round pick but maybe either maybe people are thinking that goes to forsling or someone else or they're just not really thinking about the you know first couple of weeks when they're doing these mocks ah well that is a good like insight that i know you guys are going to get into about like maybe you got to strategize for just like those first couple of weeks yeah i'll bet you it's just people aren't thinking about like short term they're just like mocking to see like what kind of team they can compile but anyways okay so we got mason here then another person first time on the podcast a patron for over a year now cool and cool uh over a year now really fun member of the community like if you've been a patron over this past year you definitely know this guy trev aka trevor de weird trev welcome to the show you've done even more mocks than mason isn't that correct uh yeah no this i'm currently in my 11th uh mock draft right now uh i have a problem but uh (laughs) drafting is probably my favorite part of uh fantasy hockey so yeah well, that's awesome. Well, now that you've been doing all these, do you think you've gotten better like doing these drafts or is it just like just so fun and you keep doing it? But you already were a pro before you even started. Well, I mean, I'm, I do them mostly for fun, but I also do them so that I can figure out who like my personal sleepers are. And using, I mean, and you use uh, Kevin Hebert's, uh mock draft ADP uh, spreadsheet and it's really helpful to figure out uh, which picks you are getting later than everybody else. I don't know if like now's a good time, Elon. So like, tell me if I'm derailing the conversation already, but I want to learn more about Trevor's concept of personal sleeper. Like what, what does that mean? Is, is now an okay time to ask that question? Are you asking me? Yeah. As, as the master of ceremonies. Well, <laughs> actually, uh, Mason did have his hand up, Brian, and you jumped in there. So I don't know uh, what that was about, but I'll allow it. Um, we need we need Robert's rules going on in here. <laughs> but how about Mason could chime in with the comment he was going to make, and then we could ask Kev, uh, Trev what he means by these uh, personal sleepers. 
Yeah, well, my response to Elon's question of uh, have you been getting better at drafts is no, my drafts have been looking worse and worse. And I think uh, that's just because people are getting more locked in. They're getting more used to these drafts and figuring out what strategies are working, where players are going. And uh, now that the mock ADP sheet is out, it seems hard to find as much value as I was getting in the early drafts. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. And, and so anyways, the plan for this episode is you guys have a, a ton of insights. Well, I guess just kind of go back and forth for a while. I've already read some of your notes. And it's like really interesting stuff. I can't wait to talk about. But yeah, Brian had a question for Trev. What, what do you mean by your personal sleepers? I guess just like players that that you like that you think you're going to be able to get later than you should be able to get them as, according to your opinions of them. Yeah. So uh, what I do, is, you know, I, may, I personally make my own projections. Um, uh, you know, I think it's helpful. I think that you should go into a draft with, you know, projections. They could be yours. They could be Dom Luschisions. Uh, they could be just a list based on vibes, but, uh, I think it's nice to go like it's useful to go into a draft with, uh, the projections and then using that list in mock drafts, you can then do the draft and figure out, you know, pick a couple of players that you think that you are more high on than everybody else. Um, and then just let that person fall. Or, you know, if you're not doing mock drafts, which you should be, you can, you know, also look at Kevin Abair's list and compare it to your own list or, you know, the list that you got from somebody else. And you'd be like, okay, I think that Mike Matheson is a player that deserves to be in the top 100. Um, players going in fantasy this year because I think that he could be a 55 point guy that everybody wants everybody wants more like more cider to be and I think that Mike Matheson could be that guy but he's going in like on by on average the ninth round there you go you found one of your own personal sleepers yeah, that makes sense. And hey, Brian uh, grabbed him in his draft. And yeah, he's, I guess there's a little bit of intrigue now with, yeah, uh, I mean, with uh, Petrie. Red flag, but I don't think he's losing his job to Jeff Petrie. And yeah. there's a lot of people convinced that Jeff Petrie isn't even going to be on the team come the season start. But yeah, for sure. And uh, thank you for sharing. I know that you're, you're making your job harder for yourself now yes. that uh, we're, and I guess we're all going to be sharing. I think my uh, sleep, I've only done a couple of these, but also just kind of watching. Um, if if it's okay to just get into like sharing some of our personal sleepers before we get into your insights, but like I found uh, Thatcher Demko has been falling pretty far. Like thinking of goalies, I know goalies are so like impossible. Brian and I will do a whole show about goalies, but I've been seeing Demko falling like further than like Olmark, who like obviously Olmark's going to get picked high. He just like is coming off a Vesna win, but you know he's in a tandem. Boston is looking a little bit shaky this year with Bergeron out of the picture now. Uh, you know, like Stuart Skinner, who I still feel like is going to have to earn it again over Campbell. I don't know. Like, I just feel like Demko is going to play all the games. And I think Vancouver, like at the end of last year, looked like super strong. You know, they kind of like screwed themselves out of a good pick in the draft. Uh, so I feel like Demko, like you never know with goalies, but I feel like he has the upside to be one of the top goalies. And I was getting him in like the ninth round in, in my most recent draft. So I was pretty excited about that. I was going to fade goalies. I was planning on not even picking a goalie for like round 15. And then I got to round nine. I was like, well, I guess I'll just take Demko. He's like so much higher than any other uh, goalie that I would take. And he's still around. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, because the Canucks I sort of forgotten as being a team that's like, yeah, they're not going to be very good next year. Um, their blue line is really questionable, but they do have, like, of course, Rick Tockett, who's supposed to tighten things up and make them more defensively responsible. Uh, the Canucks have 
like a third line now and a half decent looking fourth line. Like their forward group looks pretty good. Um, so I, I don't know, Elon, it's interesting that you see them as kind of like a dark horse to do well. Uh, like I still sort of feel they're going to lose several more than they're going to win. Uh, but, and, and the, um, so I went to the ADP just now and I, I checked out who was going after Demko. Like if you passed on Demko and waited a little longer, you could have Ilya Samsonov, Darcy Kemper, Tristan Jari, Philip Gustafsson, Vitek Vanacek. Are you like, do you still slot Demko ahead of all those guys? I do. Personally, I do. Just because also the Kakupful is big on volume, right? And we just added a point for wins, but also we have like points for saves and, and, uh, you know, but it's I like just, saves versus goals against. So it's like I, a lot of games. And I feel like yeah. a, a lot of these guys you mentioned, like Samsonov, I know like, the vibe is like he's probably the volume starter, but he's never been a volume starter, right? And like Wall looked pretty good. And anyways, we're going to do a whole podcast about uh, goalies. So I guess we don't need to dive too much into it. We do have these experts here to tell us about mock drafts, but I just love talking about hockey with you. So I don't know. I can't help it. Uh, but yeah, I think like Kemper, I don't know, basic. Like anyway, I think like Damco just excites me as someone with a lot of upside. And like, so if you could get him late, yeah. it's pretty exciting. Those guys you said, I feel like we kind of know how they'll be for the most part. But okay. Anyhow, let's get into it. Oh, Brian, do you have a personal sleeper you want to share with the class okay so i guess like if i'm looking at sleepers i'm looking down like the the last cupful draft slot is like 258 right or two like somewhere around there 252 um so uh i, I well i kind of just want to scroll up on the list to really give you a great answer but someone i got really late in uh in my favorite mock that uh that i just completed was cam atkinson um, I got Cam Atkinson. Where did I get him? Let me just, uh, I'm scrolling up here. Uh, 236th overall, which is actually, um, 13 draft spots higher than his overall ADP. He's trending up in the last five mocks. And maybe that's because we, we talked about the Flyers not too long ago on the show saying, like, you know, you have Atkinson and Couturier who might kind of be forgotten, uh, from their injured season and coming back to a team that, isn't looking too good. Um, but I think Cam Atkinson that late being a, like a top line, top power play, 60 point potential guy going, uh, like ADP comps for him, uh, at like at a forward position, William Carlson, Logan Cooley, Philip Heedle, Nicholas Backstrom, JT Comfer, Adam Henrique, Tyson Forster, uh, Matthias Michelli, Quinton Byfield, Andreas Athanasiu. Like there's none of those guys I think are at all in Atkinson's league. So uh, now I've guaranteed that I won't get him in my own draft, but I've been very happy with where I've been able to land him in a mock. Yeah, I mean, Atkinson's the kind of guy I'll be really interested to see in training camp, like how he's getting deployed and what the Flyers are doing and if he's like looking fully healthy. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say the same thing about Atkinson. Like I want to see training camp before I'm, you know, dra- drafting him. I want to see that he's actually going to play. My other point, like, I guess my other question was like, what's the definition of the sleeper? Are we saying that the definition is a guy that you're getting in those last rounds or is it just a guy that's going that you think is, you know, three rounds or four rounds better than uh, where he's actually going? Like what's our, cause hmm. I just, cause well, Mike I Matheson just really isn't a guy that you're getting late, but yeah. Right. I get it. Well, it's all relative, right? Like how, where, yeah. where are you finding this guy? Like amongst whom is he being drafted? Like I, I just named all those guys around yeah. Cam Atkinson. And I think a sleeper is somebody who's in, who you draft at a time when like a, a, a lower tier of players is being yeah. drafted 
at the same position and he stands alone. So like looking at Michael Matheson, we can call him Mike, right? Like we're, we're on those terms with him by now. Uh, he, uh, the, the D drafted after Matheson are Seth Jones, Jacob Truba, Thomas Shabbat, Drew Doughty, uh, Devin Taves and Rasmus Anderson. So like, you know, you've got guys with a, I mean, Seth Jones is like an interesting, like it seems, it seems reasonable, but I also think Matheson's upside, um, I mean, you know, I like I think Jones and Doughty could be decent comps, but um, I, I also think that that's still really nice value. He's been taken uh, on average 118th overall in our in our mocks. Yeah. And I think that like when you think of like point potential, Mike Matheson probably has the same close to or close to the same value that you could be getting out of Doughty or Jones. But you're also getting, you know, close to six block shots and hits out of Mike Matheson potential, potentially. And I don't think you're getting anywhere close to that with uh, Jones and Doughty. So, like, just add that, per- like, again, the cider or the Truba level um, are almost that level of peripherals on top of what potentially could be 55 points. Is, yeah, that's, that's my opinion. <laughs> All right, so Mason, did you want to jump in with your? Uh, ne- it's obviously a nebulous term, anyways. These sleepers, like I just think yeah. whatever we're saying, sleeper. We just mean guys who we think that you can get at value, right? Yeah, and I have like this like hot. I, I I'm sure I've said this before. I'm sure many people have said this before. But like your fantasy hockey sleeper is dead. Like there's no such thing as a sleeper anymore because like there there's usually this class of players like back in the days of magazines, right? Like on the cover would be like 25 sleepers that'll win you your league. I actually found some old fantasy hockey magazines and cleaning up the other day, but like, this is it. Um, And now that we can all share our sleepers with each other and there's like people making podcasts, like good podcasts, by the way, like if you look around or, or like, right, you know, on, on the r slash fantasy hockey or discord servers, uh, affiliated with podcasts or otherwise, like everyone's sharing. There's no, there's no secret sauce anymore. So it is, um, not just about knowing like who has a good chance to surprise or come up that might be off mo like, you know, the casuals radar, but it's also assuming that you're not playing fully like in the cup full or in a competitive league. Uh, it's no way it's not just no way it's not knowing their names. It's knowing where, where to grab them to maximize their value. I think that's the new sleeper situation. It's not just like remembering, Oh yeah, like I'm going to get this guy in all my drafts because everyone's going to forget about him, which is how it was. I don't know, a long time ago, like 10 or 15 years ago, yeah. but everybody shares now everybody's talking about the same guys which is fun. Like it's fun to all cheer together and watch together. But I, I don't think there's like, there's, there's no, I haven't found, it's been a long time since I've seen like a secret name on the come up that uh, only I or a small group of people are aware of. I'm pretty stoked for uh, Connor Brown. And every time he gets taken, I'm like, Oh, right. Ugh, I forgot about him. So, maybe, But again, Brian, obviously depends who you're drafting with, right? Like if you're drafting as other people in the cup full using like Kevin's sheet, then that might not be as, uh, you know, relevant versus like you're drafting with your friends and yeah. you're the only well, one that listens to these podcasts and checks out all these resources. Yeah. And the sheets people are using are like more universal too. Like, Dom, like, like so many people are using Dauber's stuff, right? And Dom's stuff and Scott Call. Like everyone, you know, a lot of people subscribe to the same stuff. So anyway, sure. it's it, but it's fun. It like, it's hey. uh it's a, it's a neat little wrinkle. I just uh, sleeper doesn't quite, which is why I was so interested in Trev bringing up that personal sleeper concept. Cause I think that is all about like, you know, where's someone that I'm 
more interested in than other people are just you go you know going off of the adps mm-hmm. so yeah mason do you have a, a name that comes to mind that you've been extra excited about that you're willing to share yeah i have a couple of names i'll mention briefly and i'll try to sl- uh, keep more to the sleeper concept and i have a name too that i want to throw out there that maybe will even surprise brian and uh might make him think this is an actual sleeper Ooh. um but a couple of the first ones so uh a lot of the players i liked have been going higher in the more recent mocks and it's been hard to get them but one guy that hasn't gone up very much is jacob rana um he's still going at like 186 and um once he went to st louis like he was obviously on a really hot pace to end the year and it's short term but i mean when you're pacing for 41 goals like there's a chance that you know he's able to keep some of that up and let's say be a 30 goal guy and when you're able to get him in like the 14th round, um, and his ADP is probably only this high because I'm taking him in <laughs> six different mocks at this point. Um, yeah, so that's one guy I'm pretty interested in. Uh, did you want to discuss him at all, or should I just mention the other names I was thinking of? I'll jump into Vrana for a second. As like someone, you know, he and Kasperi Kapanen, you know, if, if, if I want to try and outsleep you, Mason, I can drop that one. As like two guys who, yeah, change teams, got into brand new situations and made a lot of their time there. And Vrana um, like got to shoot more uh, than he had in a while uh, when he moved to St. Louis, or at least, you know, for for a couple years, uh, Vrana had not been really, well, he hadn't been on the ice (laughs) really to shoot, but it was nice to see him sort of reclaim these, these shot rates that we hadn't seen him put up consistently since like 1920, which was his second last year in Washington. Um, and his shoot, his percentages were not outlandish at five on five in St. Louis. So that, um, like, I, I like that as a catch of somebody who I think a lot of us would have been like, you know, he's been that sleeper for the last two or three years. Like this is the Verona breakout year, everybody. And it happened. We talked about that happening on Washington. We talked about the potential for that happen to happen on Detroit. And now, um, after having like a pretty successful turn, in in St. Louis where like I'm trying to remember um what that top power play unit looked like like he was on the power play uh, on PP1 for most of the last 10 games um and I'm just trying to like Elon what's your take on where Vrana is going to be able to settle in to the lineup like is he going to be in a position to to be fantasy relevant yeah, definitely. For sure, right? Like, he was, yes, he was getting top power play time. We're seeing in the last game for St. Louis, anyways, Rob Thomas, Kairou, Verona, Brandon Saad. But St. Louis has also been a team that's gone with two power plays a lot. So you got like Shen and, and uh, Vucinievich, like, was on the other units. So what do you even call the top power play? I see they both played like, you know, over a minute in that final game. So that's the kind of thing where maybe everyone gets a little bit diminished. But at the value, you know, if you're getting Verona, like Mason said, in like a 12th, 13th round kind of thing, then definitely there's the chance that he can be really good and also if, if for whatever reason he flames out you didn't like waste a high pick so i think that's the perfect kind of guy to go for a guy who can give you a lot of goals especially in a league like ours where goals are worth a lot i'd rather make my sleeper swing on him like i'll take him over don't tell me if this is crazy brian but like uh, i look at like a rob thomas who is almost surely gonna get more like more deployment and probably get more points but like rob thomas never shoots you know in, in our format like uh yeah, he's not worth that much. And I've seen it actually. I, so I 
I don't know if I mentioned this on the air yet, but like uh, I made a version of Kevin's spreadsheet where I sorted people by their variance. So Kevin even gives us variance of like, you know, for each uh, player, like what's the lowest they've been taken and the highest they've been taken. And Rob Thomas has had a very high variance. Like he, in, uh, I'm going to just bring this up here. Yeah, he's been taken as low as 99th overall and as high as 196th overall. And the ADP is like right in the middle at 154. And like, uh, yeah, I, Maybe that's dumb, but I think in our format, give me Verana. And even if he's not on the top power play, he could still score a lot of goals. It's my opinion anyway. Who knows? Yeah. I like, I guess the one thing to look out, and then I'll throw to you, Mason, like with Verana, like I'm, I was just, I took that opportunity. Like he's going to need to be on that power play. Four of the 10 goals he scored with the Blues were on the power play. Um, and like that did like push up his shooting percentage a bit, but not. No, like not unreasonably actually Vrana's always been a pretty high percentage converter and uh, when he's been given power play opportunity he's actually done pretty reasonably with it in the past so it's not to say it's it's uh it's not sustainable but I'd really like to see him be able to keep that up and for anybody also just wanting the number uh, Vrana's ADP in our couple mock drafts is uh, 185th overall and uh, and Mason's been pushing that up <laughs> And Mason's, yeah, yeah, that's been dragged up by Mason. Robert Thomas is being taken 30 spots ahead of Rana. But Rana, you know, like you said, Elon has those three shots per game, just about, or at least he did for his time in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, I see the power play in St. Louis being that top line of Buchnevich, Thomas, and uh, Kairou. And then uh, the question then is if Rana gets that last spot or if that goes to someone like Saad or Shen. Um, I think it's pretty likely that he at least gets a good chance there. And, you know, if he doesn't do anything, he'll get bumped down, but I think he has a good shot at it. Um, Thomas obviously has the higher floor if we're comparing the two, but I think, you know, at that point in the draft, I'm looking for upside and uh, Thomas being a center too uh, means he'll probably, you know, fall a little bit further than maybe he should just because there are so many out there. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, a couple of the other names that I have, one discrepancy I noticed was Bertuzzi being drafted at around 130 and Max Domi going about 100 spots later. 
at 220. And I know people are expecting Bertuzzi to be on the top line and maybe get a chance at the top power play, but I don't think it's a sure thing. And there's a chance that Domi ends up, you know, being on that top line and uh, maybe getting some power play time. Even if he doesn't, I think playing with Tavares and Nylander probably puts him, uh, you know, pretty far ahead of a lot of the players that you're getting at uh, around 220th. So uh, do you guys have any thoughts on them? No, I think it's a good point because also like the top power play is taken, right? Like they've got Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. So unless Nylander gets traded or I don't even know, like Bertuzzi's not getting the top power play without an injury. So the upside is definitely capped. And yeah, like you say, like also like like Bertuzzi and Domi could get in the top line. And also it depends. You have to stick. You have to have chemistry. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Like I wouldn't be reaching for Bertuzzi if I knew I could get Domi later. I don't know if either of them, like for a lot of times, like no one is no forward aside from those four I just mentioned that are on the top power play have been worth holding like bunting had a moment for a while but there were stretches last year where he was getting dropped in drafts so uh, yeah i wouldn't be reaching personally for bertuzzi though maybe i'm biased because i did like dump him in my dynasty league and i'm kind of regretting if that's a whole other discussion that i had with victor before uh, yeah i like well i it's an interesting wrinkle for me <laughs> like i know your cognitive dissonance is hard to work I'm against just like for me bertuzzi i don't think you're like no it's good you're you're disclosing your biases which is very important um i think like for me i would think that bertuzzi is the natural heir to uh like the bunting in hyman spot and like you said elon like bunting was kind of inconsistent last year but Anyone who gave up on him was kicking themselves because he turned it on around January, if I'm remembering right, and then just flew through the rest of the year. And Hyman's done well from that spot, too. Um, but at the same time, this is also like we, we brought this point up back in, I guess it was July when uh, when when Dubas was moving on that like this is a team that might play differently than before. So even just being able to step into the bunting or Hyman spot doesn't necessarily mean that. You're, it's the bunting or Hy- like there might not be a bunting in Hyman spot depending on how many adjustments are being made between the coach and the GM and how this team is actually supposed to work from this point out. Um, so, you know, Mason, you're talking about the discrepancy between Bertuzzi and Domi being like nearly a hundred draft spots. And I, like, I see, I see the contradiction there. Um, like I definitely, I, I'd still want Bertuzzi ahead of Domi, but by, by that magnitude, I'm not so sure. And I just don't know. I'm trying to figure out if this means folks are reaching for Bertuzzi or sleeping on Domi. To comment on Brian, Brian there, I think it's a bit of both. I think they might be sleeping on Domi and reaching on Bertuzzi. I think that's where this is an entirely different point that I wrote in my notes, but uh, I think that people are getting very excited about, you know, their the quote unquote sleepers that don't exist anymore because everybody knows that Bertuzzi is getting that or everybody thinks that they know that Bertuzzi is getting that bunting spot and then like they'll reach over they'll without making a projection for Bertuzzi because realistically Bertuzzi if you think if you make a projection for him best case scenario 65 points because he's never he's never going to crack the top power play like and how often does a top power a non-top power play guy crack over 65 points yeah super rare the only person i can think of that did it last year was uh and he still had a pretty substantial power play role at times also yes but people are you know reaching like taking him in like the 11th round over you know guys that you could project easily 
for 65-ish points. And there's no red flags or risk involved with there because there are red flags and risk involved with uh, Bertusi. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you. So I guess that could be one uh, of your insights from the drafts is sometimes people may think they have a sleeper and then end up not treating them like a sleeper by reaching for the person and kind of like discounting the whole purpose, which is this is supposed to be a guy you can get late at good value. And and I know you guys both actually have a, a extensive list here of uh, different observations. So maybe we can kind of go back and forth here to get some of the other tips that you've like uh, figured out here. Uh, Mason, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, is it possible to throw in one last name? And Never uh, this was <laughs> this was the one that uh, I thought was an actual sleeper, an old school sleeper for Brian, uh, because he hasn't been taken in any drafts uh, yet. But I'm wondering what you think about Arthur Kaliev. Um, and the reason I bring him up is because it seems like he'll be playing with Dubois and Fiala, which could be a top line on uh, a lot of different teams. Um, and he shoots a lot. And I think, you know, there's a good chance he takes a step forward this year. Um, maybe he doesn't get on that top power play. It seems like that's uh, fairly full, but um, at least having good second power play time, I think, you know, that might be someone that uh training camp if we start to hear that he's doing well or that we know that he's staying on that line maybe that's uh somebody that you could take a swing on late uh mason you had me uh i cocked my head when you said it maybe that is a good old a good old fashioned sleeper which either means you're a genius or that you're just like way off track by like being if you're the only one talking about a sleeper then like you you gotta take a look in the mirror i don't I just don't see, like, okay, being the third piece of, like, the more Deneau line could be worth something. But, like, if I'm looking at Trevor, like, this is... Well, he said like, the Fiala-Dubois line, which I think is I'd much expect, better. Yeah, I'd expect Arvidsson oh, to stay with the Deneau yeah. and more, okay. like, the last two years. Yeah, 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 sorry. So if you're looking to be the third piece of the... Right, because Arvidsson and more Deneau stay together. Um, yeah, I like it. I'm trying to think of who the... Um, who the comparable would have been from last year's Kings lineup. Villardi, maybe? Yeah, right. Who was hot for like a, a chunk because of that top power play time. But it seems like a place where you could produce from, right? Like Dubois is a legit 1C. Fiala, you know, is mercurial, but has had some startling bouts of consistency in LA uh, now that like hopefully he's settled in there. So uh, I guess it's about like if Kaliev can earn that spot out of camp, right? He hasn't had, he hasn't seemed to be like fully in anyone's like great graces. He hasn't, he like he's had like very brief opportunities. And I'm just looking through like the minor system in LA being like, is there anyone out of camp who could potentially challenge? And uh, Elon, I don't know if you're able to speak to this from your like dynasty setting or, or maybe I, I'm not sure. I don't think we've covered him for a few years, but fifth overall in 2019 was Alex Turcotte. Do we have I haven't any? Heard, I haven't heard good things about him in a while. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So I, I don't know that I'm, I'm trying to see if there's, a, they, there is a Jack Hughes on LA who you do not want to draft. Also, one really great thing about the Cuckupful is that we take out all the, all the guys you might accidentally draft instead of the guys you mean to. Right. It's a really fun list. We'll, we'll tweet it sometime. Um, so I have a guy in my dynasty. I, I have an answer to this for everything you say. But I have a guy named Sam Fagamo that I hope makes the team ahead of Cal Calia, but I don't think that'll happen. Uh, What's his uh, deal? I don't know. He's just like a guy. 
who, who maybe could play in the NHL sometime. Um, but uh, the Jets, by the way, speaking of like, if you're talking about Kaliev as a sleeper, maybe Velarde could be also a sleeper, right? Because he went to Winnipeg now. And I know that people are probably assuming like, this is the year that Ehlers finally gets on the top power play. Because like, come on, like Dubois gone, Wheeler's gone. There's got to be room now. But like, we thought that, you know, last year when Line was gone or whatever, and, and it, it still didn't happen uh, for a lot of the year. So like Velarde does have experience, like you said, Brian, on PP1. So maybe he ends up getting the spot with like Connor Shifley and uh I mean I mean Ehlers can be there and Velarde like the Jets actually aren't even that deep like who else would be there like there's Nino still Nita Ryder uh Cole Perfetti so uh, Velarde I think I would take Velarde over I guess Mason when you're saying Kaliev is a sleeper like he's hasn't taken any dress Velarde I'm saying has been taken on average 206 uh so maybe yeah. it's like dumb for me to say I take Velarde over him because obviously yeah, I probably would too. I think uh, there is a good chance Flaherty's on that uh, top power play in Winnipeg. And I think they split up the top two lines. They don't go Connor Shifley Ehlers. So that means he would get someone good, at least at even strength too. Um, potentially Ehlers, which would keep him off of that top line uh, that we're hoping he gets. But uh, yeah, I like Flaherty for sure. Okay, but anyways, we could talk players all day. Uh, we, okay, but we did want to get into your like strategies, right? We want to kind of get into strategy talk here. So we'll get into players maybe more at the end of the show, but let's get into some of these like insights, how to draft well, what you've learned from doing these mock drafts. So how about we could just kind of go back and forth? Cause I know you both have like a really good list. Uh, Trev, do you want to get us going with uh, the first insight you want to share from your mock drafts that you haven't already? Sure. Um, I'll go with one of my observations that I made in the, like the middle rounds. And if you play in a league that has forwards as positions instead of just forwards, um, I find that there are a lot of good centers that drop in the middle rounds because people get stuck drafting center onlys sometimes in the early rounds. And then they, you know, they're like, they say to themselves, I can't draft another center at, at this point. And then you've got centers like, uh, Elias Lindholm, Kadri, Trocheck, uh, Joel Erickson Eck. Uh, I got a list. Yeah, like Horvat is around there. Even Kopitar uh, is around there. Uh, Barzal, uh, he's not center only, but uh, you get the you get the idea. But like those type of centers, like they drop because people are worried about fitting them into their roster, and I think there's a lot of value right there. Yeah, and of course, then I guess the corollary or the strategy then is if you know that there's going to be a lot of centers that drop, then maybe that means when you're making your early picks, maybe you don't grab the center. Like if it's close between, I don't know, like Pedersen. And, well, Pedersen's not center only. I mean, who knows? Like Yahoo also just came out with new positions and they like have removed a lot of dual eligibilities. We don't know if they're going to add them back or not yet. So I know Pedersen on fan tracks is like also left. Wing. So let me pick another example. Like, okay, let's say you're deciding between like Jack Hughes and Jason Robertson. And it's like a really close for you. And you think it could go either way. That could be a good reason to maybe go with Robertson. Let someone else get Jack Hughes, even though you think he's awesome. Uh, because then you'll have that open center spot later on. And while other people are picking between like lesser wingers like a, a jake debrusque or whatever or an arvidson you can be grabbing a, a kopitar or uh like you know some of these guys that you just said yeah there was also like one draft where i i ended up just like not being able to stop drafting centermen because they kept they kept falling to me like and like i, I was over it um 
but like I ended up with Tomas Hurdle. This is before Carlson left and Logan Couture. I got, I don't, maybe this isn't a great, as much a bargain as I thought it was at the time. Uh, I had, uh, uh, a hurdle at 144, Couture at 172. Um, but like I also had Brock Nelson at 116 and Erickson Eck at 109. And I've noticed both those guys falling in uh, several of the mocks I've done because of their position. And Elon, I'm not sure if like my strategy changes in like avoiding the centerman at the start. Like, of course, that helps and like it gives you more roster flexibility, which is great. But I also uh, like I also just feel like maybe it's a it's it's a don't f- it depends on how flexible your positional eligibility is. Right. Like in the couple, we have two center roster spots and two util spots. And honestly, that's more flexibility than I think a lot of folks might realize um, that like you can have five centers and you don't have to like sweat it too much. Like, yeah, it might be frustrating a night or two, but assuming that that fifth center is coming late in your draft anyway, um, it's not not like a, a big deal. Like Chandler Stevenson is another name that I'm seeing fall. And I feel like because he 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 was amazing, right? Leading up to the playoffs and then in the playoffs, he's been going on average at 182. Um, but based on the 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 end to the season that he had when he admitted back up onto the top line with um with uh, who was he playing with he was playing with Eichel and uh, well like William Carrier for a while but like our Eichel and Amadio like it was he was Chandler Stevenson was doing incredibly well and he's somebody who despite playing center if I already have four on my roster if I can get Stevenson late enough I'm just gonna like draft him and then worry about it later because there's also gonna be injuries and like other reasons for my roster to be fluid um, that I'm not going to really limit myself and of course like you have to do that calculus like you were sort of saying Trev like is uh, losing a bit of flexibility on my roster uh, like tantamount like is it is it equivalent to the value of how much better this center is over the next best winger and i usually just answer that question with uh with yes like i'd rather have the better player but we also like we were talking about this on our server too and on our discord server and some people were like i will squeeze people who i see in trades like you know because if you have too many centermen and you're trying to get rid of them uh then you might want to look at trading but of course the rest of your league is going to see the predicament you're in and they're not going to throw you any lifelines actually i have a i i I was in this situation last year with uh john reed former guest of the show a producer of short shifts who had uh he had tage thompson and tomash hurdle and he felt too many centermen and this is during thompson's slow start and uh i'm sure i've talked about this before but i saw he was in a bind and i was like I was not jumping at a deal for any of those guys because I thought, like, maybe I could wait them out or, or do a little better. And, uh, of course, I wish I traded earlier for Tage Thompson. Mason? Yeah, I agree with, uh, you know, the idea that in a couple with the two utility spots, you don't have to be too worried about having too many centers. Um, I think that's... It- exactly where mock drafting comes in though uh, for example last year i had the third overall pick so i was choosing between dry and mckinnon just pretty glad about that and going back and forth on who i should take but i had done so many mocks where i knew that in the sixth or seventh round i had these like personal sleepers uh, like larkin and malkin who i knew i liked more than uh, the adp and i knew i was going to take you know two centers in those like rounds five to seven 
And so I ended up taking Dreisaitl just because um, he had the left-wing eligibility. And I knew that if I take a center here and then I take two centers in rounds five to seven, you know, that uh, later on in the draft, if there is any value, I won't be able to take it because I'm going to end up having, you know, four, five, six centers. Um, I ended up taking Krejci at the end of the draft as my fifth. So I'm glad I didn't uh, just take McKinnon early and then end up with six centers um, by the end of the draft. Yeah, I ended up in the exact same situation. I think the last mock I was in, I think I saw Sam Bennett going at like 200th overall, which is, I think, a pretty good spot for a pretty, a very good spot for him, in my opinion. And uh, like, I, had, I already, I already had four center onlys, and you you look at, uh, I think Elon Elon made a tool for this. And uh, it, it tell it you you plug all the people in, and it tells you how many people, how many games you're going to miss uh, if you have all all five of those centers. And I think I would have missed like twenty something games, even in Cupful, with by drafting Sam Bennett. And then you have to make that cal- that calculation. So. Yeah, and yeah. of course there might be injuries. Yeah, there exactly. might be like a player might. Yeah, gain you can a trade position. them like they, they were saying. Yeah, you could trade that player might gain a position. But yeah, it's just like, again, like Brian, I'm not saying like I would like take the wing, you know, above the center, even if I like the center a lot better. But like Mason said, when it's like close either way, you know, like his example of Dreisaitl versus McKinnon or my example of like Jack Hughes versus Jason Robertson, just something to remember. There's going to be a lot of C-only guys that you might want later. So that's definitely a really good insight that you've found. And we'll have to see what happens because again, the breaking news from this week is that Yahoo dropped their position eligibilities. And by the way, just to remind people for the cupful, the way we do it is we're going to draft on Fantrack because they have slow draft functionality which is really great because we have people from all over the world and we it's very hard to schedule and also slow drafts are awesome and fun uh but uh we're gonna then transfer all the leagues to yahoo and that's where we're actually gonna play it out and we are going to make fan positions like match what's on yahoo of course so that you're gonna be drafting with the same positions and kevin's gonna help with that kevin's great any like complicated sounding thing like that kevin's got a way to do it easily but uh all that to say that hopefully Yahoo updates, right? Because right now Yahoo's positions are like everyone's just like one position, and there's a lot of C only guys, like Dry Sidles C only, for example. So, which actually kind of makes sense. Like last season, he did mostly play C, but he did sometimes play uh, on the McDavid line. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll see if Yahoo makes an update before we do our drafts. And if not, then we're going to be drafting. And then there'll be a whole other strategy of like drafting guys with only one position that you expect will have another position added later, you know? So if everyone's avoiding a bunch of Cs because they have too many of them, but you have a good hunch that Dreisaitl's going to get that left wing eventually. Well, maybe he's not a good example. He's going to be taken right away. But you know what I mean? But hopefully we won't, won't come to that. And Yahoo will add some more positions and give us like what the general final thing will be before we start our drafts. But anyway, okay, so that was a really good insight Trev. Uh, Mason, do you want to jump in with uh, one of your insights now? Yeah, um, I'll just chime in with something that's quite similar, actually. But I've noticed in a few drafts, when I'm picking at the end of the first round, um, a lot of the players that are available right there, so Robertson, Kaprizov, Kachuk, uh, Ovechkin, kind of like, uh, in my opinion, kind of end the tier uh, at the turn there from the first round to the second round. This Those guys are a, all... Sorry. Sorry to interrupt, Mason, but I'll just point out, like, so it's a 14 manager draft, right? Just because every draft will have different numbers. So this is around, like, the 14-15 pick mark. Yeah, I've noticed exactly if I'm picking 13th or 14th. So I'm getting two of the 13, 14, 15, 16 um, of those picks. Often, 
the left wings that are there, I end up <laughs> taking two left wings. And um, then I end up getting stuck, uh, not being able to take left wings later. So very, very similar to the center situation. But um, I counted up the number of left wing and right wing eligible players in the first uh, 60 picks. So basically the first four rounds. And uh, there are 26 left wing eligible players and only 16 right wing eligible players. And so I found it really difficult picking at the end of the first round there to not take two left wings, um, knowing that uh, in two of the drafts that I did when I was picking at that spot, later on, there were just so many left wings available and I had to be dropping down, you know, a tier or two to get players uh, for my right wing spot. So that might be something just to keep in mind. Again, we'll see what uh, Yahoo does with the eligibilities, but um, just at the end of the first round, you might want to be careful to not stack up the same position, particularly the uh, left wing, in my opinion, in that spot. Did you, in any other drafts, take one of the, you know, the top tier D in that like 14 to or 13 to 16 spot? Like I've, I've seen like Makar going and Yozy going in that particular spot often. Yeah, so the first time I think I ended up getting stuck with the two left wings because um, a car had gone and I felt like it was a bit of a reach to take Yossi at 15. Um, but the second time a car did fall to me so that I was a little relieved uh, that I didn't have to go with the left wing stack because of what it did to me uh, in my first draft. And then uh, in the most recent mock, I took Tage Thompson in that spot, but I do think he's a tier behind, you know, Ovechkin and Kaprizov. So um, I don't think I would do that in a real draft. I'd want to go with more of the sure thing in Ovechkin, uh, even even if I end up having to take two left wing. Okay, two things. I'm going to jump in and then throw to you, Elon. First is I would take Tage Thompson over Alex Ovechkin. I don't know if I'm the only one. Uh, I'm looking at their... I'm not the only one because uh, Ovechkin's 18th uh, in our ADP and Tage Thompson is 14th. So I'm glad uh, that opinion's backed up by, by the, by consensus, which is always correct, of course. And then the other, uh, like, you know, like one basic lesson here, um, like to add on to what Mason just shared about, you know, keeping in mind, um, what positions might be scarcer than others is like knowing your league settings is like a really basic draft hack, right? <laughs> like to know, uh, how many, like going back to the center thing, like how many, how many skaters you need? To, are you just an F only league? Uh, do you care how, how much you have to care about eligibility? Um, how flexible or, or inflexible are rosters? And, um, Mason, I, I like that little tidbit that you picked up that uh, I, I hadn't realized that every year it seems to swing back and forth or every couple years between, Oh, there's not a lot of left wings this year. Oh, there's not a lot of right wings this year, but it's good to know that this year there are more left wings than right wings available. So Elon, to your point where you were saying like, you might uh, pass on the center and go for the wing. I might pass on the left wing and go for the right wing. Yeah. I guess just a counterpoint I'll throw out there is unlike centers, I think left wings will be pretty easy to trade. Like maybe you're going to end up stacking left wings because you happen to pick a 13, 14, but I think there's going to be other teams in the league that could use a wing and maybe we'll be up for giving up a center. Maybe even you could find someone who drafted too many goals. I, I don't know what it'll be, but like I personally wouldn't be too worried about like ending the draft with like five left wings, you know, because I would feel pretty confident that if I wanted to trade one, I, I, I probably could. Like another pick, by the way, that's going around there that I'm pretty stoked about is Brady Kachuk. Like I could see this being the year. And I guess this is also the kind of thing we've said a bunch of times, but like he takes so many shots and it's just a matter of like, 
more of them going in for him to really break out as like a huge he already like had a breakout last year right he had his point per game season for the first time and i just see it still going up from there right he took 347 shots like it's insane and he like that's over four shots per game and he only shot 4.2 percent and i'm not saying i expect him to jump to like 15 like clearly there's a reason maybe the types of shots he takes blah 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 brian could go into heat maps and all these things but i'll just say like you know go up to six just sit, like six percent i'm not asking for a lot and he becomes like a 40 you know 45 goal scorer so i all that to say i would take brady kachuk over tage thompson and ovechkin at that spot but anyways that's personal preference and, and maybe that's like an obvious thing to say uh anyhow uh let's go over to uh trev now for the the next interesting observation you have from these drafts so i'll head way back to the end of the draft so and i'll point out that there are goalies with upside that are likely to get volume that are available in the late rounds. And I can, yeah. And I'll give us like who, like who, who, oh, uh, sure. Who gets your attention? Um, like who, who okay, are you so, thinking? Of? Like, let's say there's Markstrom, there's Corpus going, there's Grubauer going, there's Phoenix Mer- Copley. There's Lickens. Merzlikens, Gibson, Bennington. Like these are goalies that at least have a very good chance at volume uh, coming into next season. And they're all available anywhere from the 14th. So that would be like 180th to 250. Yeah. Yeah, like I saw Merzlikens. Honestly, Merzlikens is someone every every mock I'm in. I'm like, yes, I need to remember him because no matter how, like my my move in a mock or any draft is like I build my queue. I, I pop in like the next tier from each position. And like sometimes I'm really organized. Uh, like in mocks, I'm not. All right. So like I am just using like the default sorting settings, like the projected season, 22, 23, like I'll flip back and forth between those. And Merzlikens doesn't show up on any of those, like no matter like how you sort total points, points per game, like he's just not there projected for next season, what happened last season. So he is someone that you might want to like make sure to manually add to your list. Copley, um, you also mentioned Trev and I like I actually I, I shared in our Discord group, like I feel like I'm getting him later than I should be able to. Uh he's being drafted after Bennington around the same time as Vay Melka. Um and like actually he's he's it's Copley Vaymelka Merzlikens in terms of goalies at the end of the draft, and then Marc Andre Fleury after Elvis Merzlikens. <laughs> um and I think Copley probably deserves to be, uh, and for, for what that's worth, co- that puts Copley at 228 uh, for his ADP. And I think Cop- and also after John Gibson, I think Copley probably belongs in, in the group of goalies who are going around 200, which is like Vili Husso and Carter Hart and Logan Thompson, Markstrom, Corpusalo. Like, I don't think Talbot is going to push him, like either based on the opportunity to push or uh, like capability capacity to push. I don't see that coming either. So I think Copley is like to me great value um, for where he's going. And and it is it is strange, Trev. Like the, this trend you've noticed, it, or it's not strange. It's just uncommon um, to be able to find volume goalies, especially in a league that rewards volume 
available so late in the game. But I think it, it, it just illustrates like how much faith everyone has lost in goalies. And it's like, well, I'm going to be, I'm guessing anyway. So I might as well wait till the very end of the draft to make my guess because I, it's, it's, uh, you know, I could take it, throw a dart and hope I hope I hit the goalie who actually does hang on. Yeah, and we actually had a question on our Discord from uh, Ryan, who was one of the couple winners from last year, uh, like asking about like what people's thoughts are on our mock draft goalie ADPs being so low. And he was suggesting that maybe like in the actual drafts, they, they might go higher. Um, and, you know, like maybe this is just like people like doing something funky in mocks. And like, I'll be interested to see like how that plays out. Also, I feel like it's so like dependent on your draft. Like the way the, the way I kind of respond, the way I, I kind of think about it is like, Brian, we're going to do our show soon. Probably in like a month, like less than a month, maybe like two or three shows from now. We're going to do our more goalies board where we're going to come up with our goalie tiers, basically like a ranking, uh, just putting some goalies like just basically as equal to put them into tiers there. And, the, and like, uh, I feel like I'm going to have my goalie tiers and I'm going to have like a sense of like, I want to get at least one goalie in like the top four tiers let's say like i want to have one of those and then i'm going to then have like my second goal that i want it to be somewhere within the at least the top six tiers let's say something like that and then i'm just going to be kind of watching the draft go and once i get to a pick where i think if i don't pick one of those goalies like now they might all be gone by the next one like that's probably going to determine like when i pick a goalie you know and so it's like i don't care if it's earlier in the draft or late in the draft like if, if if we start our couple draft and then everyone's like taking all the goalies yeah, I'm probably going to also like take a goalie at some point. But, you know, like, again, but my strategy is not to like go super early on goalie. Like I, but like, you know, maybe once, you know, there's only like those guys we were talking about at the start, like a Demko, Kemper, Jari. Like, you know, I kind of want maybe at least one of those to start before all. And then, you know, like, and then someone like a Talbot, like you're talking about, or not Talbot, but uh, Copley. Um, I like him, but like, I don't want him to be my, like my number one goalie. You know, uh, there's still some risk there. Like, I agree with you about how I don't agree that Talbot is like, going to be capable of like challenging and like stealing the job but i do kind of disagree i think la is going to give them the opportunity i think la has shown that they don't fully trust copy at least that's the way i kind of see it and i heard an interview was on fantasy hockey life with one of the la beat writers kind of saying like you know like they don't necessarily want like in it like in their best situation like talbot earns the job like i don't know if he can i don't think he can based on what we've seen from the past couple of years but i think like they're going to give him the opportunity. It's just a matter of like, if he can do it. And I do, like I said, Brian, I do agree with you that I think that Copley will end up getting more starts, but I don't think it's as sure thing as some other guys. Um, anyhow, uh, Trev, you, you want to jump in there? So I'll just give my zero G plug now. I think like every year without fail, or as long as I've been playing fantasy hockey, which is not that long, there are like 10, 20 goalies that are either drafted very late or like you get them from free agency that become valuable. So like, I think that drafting goalies late puts you in a position or puts you more in a position to benefit from that fact. Like if I grab Grubauer or something, or for example, in the 16th and he doesn't work out, that's, that's okay. Because then I can just grab Kochetkov when Ranta or Anderson gets injured. Like, because something like that's going to happen where a goalie steals a job or a team that's bad, you know, is plays better than expected, or there's an injury. Like, and then all of a sudden you find a valuable goalie. So put your, so I, so put yourself in a position to benefit from that fact. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I, I think uh, Mason might have 
a contrary take. So I won't, I won't uh, coming up. So I'm not going to go too much deeper on that. I will just uh, um, mention that I also like think it's also good to picture like goalies like ranked against each other too. Like we talk a lot about tiering and we'll do it in smorgasbord, but for goalies, like Elon, you were saying like a a lot of where you take a goalie depends on where everyone else is taking goalies. Like a goalie is not to me like worth a third round pick. A goalie to me is like, yeah, that's the goalie I would take 10th. And that 10th goalie might be drafted depending on the rhythm of your draft in the fourth or fifth round, or that 10th goalie might be taken in the ninth or 10th round. So uh, like one tip that I have for people based on my mocks is to not get caught looking at ADP for goalies and defensemen specifically, because where these these positions are drafted is based largely on where the runs happen in your draft. Um, and you can get caught unaware if the right, like you could end up reaching for a guy before the runs have happened, or you could lose out on a guy because the runs have already happened before the round you thought he would fall to. So like for me, if you have ADP, like what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the mock and to make it actionable for like the, the mock data to make it actionable for my draft data, I'll take it, I'll wipe out all like the, the, the rounds and the, the draft pick positions and just have them ordered. Like this is the order that defensemen went. This is the order that goalies went. And uh, the last point I'll make uh, was going back to Copley. Uh, like just to, to go full circle. It's like, like a discussion with like lots of points in between that are unrelated. And then like back to the main conversation. I, I hope it's good for, for listeners and everyone can follow. Well, like to just to refresh, like Elon, you're like, and I agree, Elon, you said that you're concerned that, you know, Copley lost the job one. So like, clearly the trust is not fully in him. And he and was guess, winning games too. And they still traded for Corpusalo. Yeah. So, well, Corpusalo, Copley was starting to falter a little bit, which is why I'm with you. I wouldn't want him as my number one goalie going into next year, but I will also uh, posit that I think Corpusalo won that role more than Copley lost it. Like it was like, how could you not keep rolling with Corpusalo the way he was playing? So, sure. uh, but, but I still, it like, doesn't take away from your, your me uh, sharing your doubt, you, like that, that little nag in the back of your head being like, well, he, he's been overtaken once and it can happen again. Yeah. But that's why you get him in the, like 18th round or whatever, 16th round, just like Trev was saying. And then if it doesn't work out, you go with, uh, you grab Talbot, who probably won't get drafted. <laughs> so then you grab him out of free agency if all of a sudden Talbot's like surging to start the year. Yeah, uh, my, I, I guess, counterpoint to this is something that I've noticed in the mocks is obviously, you know, how late goalies are going this year. And um, that I will preface this just by saying I think those will rise um, throughout draft season. I noticed it happened last year, too. Goalies went up 10 to 20 picks, so a couple of rounds um, based on where they were being drafted in the mocks. Um I will push back first on what Brian said a little bit. I do think the ADP does matter because, um, you know, if goalies are going in the fifth round, like they are in the mocks, like the top goalies, I would be totally comfortable taking a goalie there. Um, but if they rise up to like the third round, um, those top, that top tier of goalies, I'm not just going to say, okay, I wanted one of these top goalies. I'm going to just take them in the third round because that's how things are happening now. Um, at that point, I might want to reevaluate my strategy because I think those third round picks for goalies or defensemen are more valuable, obviously, than the fifth round picks. 
Um, so I don't fully agree on that, but um, as far as zero G, I generally agree with the strategy taking these late swings and you know finding value there because there will be guys with value. So you might as well take a shot on a few guys and see what happens. Um, but with the goalies being drafted as they are now, I kind of see more value in taking goalies earlier. Um, the reason for that is I think that, uh, you know, if you're taking a goalie, one of the top goalies, let's say Shesterkin, who I um, would have as my top goalie in the fifth round, um, you know, taking these other more sleeper-like goalies in like the 12th round or something, that value from the fifth round to the 12th round is just such a different uh I guess, different question from um, looking at goalies when they were going in the second round last year versus a 12th round goalie. And so last year I was taking a 12th round goalie and by not taking those goalies in the second, I was getting so much of a better player, a skater, and then taking finding my goalies in the 12th. Whereas now if you're passing up a goalie in the fifth and taking one in the 10th or 12th, that's just, you're just not getting the same, um, yeah, the same value that you uh, have in in past years. And so my strategy in some of these mocks has been to take, like I said, my favorite goalie uh, this year, Shesterkin, in the fifth round, and then grab someone like Demko in the 10th round. Um, and I don't feel like I'm giving up that much in terms of skaters. And then when I get to the end of the draft and I look at my team, I feel like I have two pretty elite goalies along with just a very solid team. And I look at the teams with these goalies, like, uh, you know, Logan Thompson and Corpusalo, who were taken in like the 12th, 13th round. And, um, I don't feel like my skaters have taken much of a hit and I feel way, way more confident in my goalies. So, uh, if things were to stay the same this year, I think I would be drafting some actual goalies and not just letting them fall. I do really like those goalies that were mentioned at the end, like Copley and Merzlikens, because you're getting them so late that, uh, you know, the difference between, uh, who would be getting in the fifth, uh, still makes a difference as opposed to, you know, maybe like the 11th or 12th round. Yeah, that's a really good point. And maybe, like, I think we have maybe gone pretty far in the direction lately on the podcast of, like, goalies are so unpredictable. We have no way to know, so why waste to pick? But, like, there have been some guys. Like, you know, you said Shostyorkin. Like, I mean, anything could happen, but, like, I'd be pretty shocked if Shostyorkin isn't great. Like, Sorokin, like, Jake Ottinger, even, like, Vasilevsky. Like, there are, is a group at the top that if you can get them, like you say, in the fifth round, like... Like, uh, like anything could happen. Like there was that year when like Carey Price like fell off or like everyone was taking Robin Leonard and he fell off. But like, I feel like in hindsight, like those guys did have question marks at the time. Like, I just like, what is the question mark with like Sorokin, you know, or Shostyorkin, like yeah. Soros. Like, I mean, these are guys that like the backups aren't challengers at all. I don't even remember who the Rangers backup is actually right now. Uh, it's not Charlie how last Jonathan Quick, isn't it? Uh, oh God. Okay. Yeah. Where is exactly. Lindgren in these days then? <laughs> yeah. So Shostyorkin is like a sure thing to me, like Soros, you know, Lankinen's the backup, you know, like Sorokin is Varlamov there. Like, so there are some, like Ettinger, there's another guy, like oh, Jake Ottinger, like who's the backup there? Wedgwood still? Get out of here. The fake Matt Murray? Or maybe, <laughs> <laughs> like anyway. Lindgren's in Washington. I'm not sure why I made that mistake. My first thought was, was Yarrow Halak. And Trev, I see your hand. I just want to, like, to give context, like the 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 tier that 
Elon, you and Mason are describing, like going in the between 53rd and 75th overall in our couple drafts are Vasilevsky, Shostyorik in order, Vasilevsky, Shostyorik, and Saros, Ottinger, Sorokin, Georgiev, and Hellebuck. And then it's a like that's within a 20 pick range, basically. And then it's 35 picks later when there's Allmark, 50 picks later for Skinner, you know, and then it's like a a, a whole other batch. Um, but Trev, are you uh, are you are you coming on to defend your your late goalie strategy in the face of all the like, I get it, like with volume and the cupful, like we're uh, sorry, with wins in the cupful being like raised in importance. I can see why these you want these these reliable goalies on good teams and they are rare and they can they could make your season. Um, Trev, are you swayed by any of what you've heard? It, I can be somewhat swayed. I think that uh... <laughs> I mean, I'll point out that, like, if you if we had this discussion last year, you would have put Markstrom on that list of goalies that can't fail. Um, and the my other point, like my other counterpoint, would be that uh, even with the adjusted couple scoring, like, if you you know reorder the couple points for last year, the best goalie is so still like fortieth overall. And it's like, again, of those top five, you know, goalies that you put in that tier, it's still a crapshoot as to which goalie that will be. And some of those goalies will still be, you know, in like the hundredth overall range. And I don't think there's that much variance in the forward and defense positions, which is like, and I don't, when I'm making a fifth round pick, I, I don't necessarily want that much variance in possibilities. Yeah, that's fair. But like, just joking, come on. But okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, can I, can I put out a question? Like in the context of this conversation, like just to take it, maybe, I don't know if it takes it a step further, but I talked earlier about how I am, I'm fading D I'm eschewing defensemen in my drafts. And goalies, like I am just going straight forwards for the first, and this is my mock strategy, right? Like mock draft is where you can see how things feel, try a couple different strategies, look at the teams you end up with. So this is how I'm using uh, our our multitude of mock draft opportunities uh, in our community. So I guess, uh, uh, do you feel like it's most important to, if if I wanted to, to get one top tier player in a position interrupt my run of 10 forwards to start a draft Do, like uh, what's what's the feeling in the room here about making sure i have a top tier goalie or a top tier defenseman i'll give my answer which is defenseman because i think it's like almost uh, for sure or very extremely unlikely that you're going to find in free agency a defenseman that's going to produce like a top tier defenseman but with goalies in any given week like you can get like a you know binnington stinks and joel hofer comes in and next thing you know hofer is like the goalie of the week and like, it's like a totally reasonable thing that could happen in a playoff week but like who are you going to find like i guess some people got mike matheson <laughs> who's getting maybe more name drops in this episode than ever before but you know there it obviously has happened that you can get a defense i remember there was the year that shane gostas bear came out of nowhere <laughs> uh you know and then he 
became good. I'm trying to think of other examples of defensemen that I remember Klingberg. Brian, remember there was like this is early in the podcast, but then Klingberg came out of nowhere in Dallas. Like he wasn't drafted in any leagues. Yeah. Then he came in and was really good. So it could happen, but it's like super unlikely. So I'd rather just get like at least a couple really yeah. good defensemen because would, otherwise, like there's no chance that you're getting one. I would be really interested to hear like more examples if anyone can think of them. Like defense like I can think of Klingberg. I can think of Gostas Bear. I think Noah Dobson in the same season went from like irrelevant to producing like a top. Uh, he hasn't sustained it. Um, but those are the the few examples off the top of my head. Uh, Trev, what do you think? Uh, first off, I can't remember the name, but I think it was two seasons ago. The guy that took over for Dougie Hamilton when he was injured. I forget that that was. Oh, Severson. Severson. Yeah. He was good for a bit. My other, like the other thing I found by fading D or just whatever position that you fade, that ends up being the position that you end up streaming um, by necessity because you faded that position. And I think that I personally would rather uh, stream forwards and goalies. Uh, so by fading D, you end up by necessity st- like streaming D. So I think I would choose to have. Uh, Pick a def- pick some like high quality defenseman. That's interesting. Like DR are, are really frustrating to stream, especially if you're looking for someone to hold on to. I know I went through a solid couple months last year where I was streaming defensemen until I finally I went I had one healthy defenseman on my roster. I eventually filled the other three spots with guys I felt like keeping, but it, it took a while. And it was annoying, although you could also say, well, D have like, you know, reasonable floor, like they're not going to outperform it by much. But if you look at the top end of FA, you might find it. And this also actually takes me back to our conversation, like earlier about centers. Um, Like the thing about also drafting too many centers that I didn't find a problem is I've actually ended up with too few centers before. And streaming in centers is is hard. It's frustrating. Like, I I don't know if this is just a personal experience, but I have had a hard time filling empty C spots um, over the last few years in fantasy when I have been short. I find wingers, uh, wingers are like the easiest to stream in and then probably goalies and then centers and then defensemen if I had to sort of rank the, the positions. But that's another reason why I don't mind ending up with too many centers because too few is also has also been an issue for me. But that's uh, maybe that's taken it too, too far back in the show. I think I agree with Elon that there is, you know, it is very unlikely to find an interesting D. So if you end up stream, you know, streaming D, or and you're more likely to find an interesting forward and a or an interesting goalie. So, I'd I'd like to fill my D slots with people that I actually want to hold before I get to like the streaming rounds of like 14 through 18. Can I throw out another? Since we're talking about streaming D, let me throw out a defenseman, kind of like the Kaliev that Mason threw out, who I don't think has been drafted at all in any drafts. Uh, but we just mentioned him recently when Trevi brought up that he took over from Ham- from Hamilton when he got injured in in uh, New Jersey. Damon Severson going to Columbus. Like, okay, apropos of nothing, I'm just gonna say like I'm looking at the Dauber guide right now, which I you know pumped up at the start, and I don't know what he's basing this on. Like, you know, it just might just be a hunch. Uh, but Dauber has Severson on a three forward, two defenseman top power play, and 47 points for Severson. So who knows what will happen? But there are believers, as one Mister uh, Daryl Dobbs uh, believes that Severson is at least worth drafting and could be good. So obviously we'll learn more in camp and whatever. But 
you know, he's he has shown that he has offensive potential when given the opportunity in that year in New Jersey. So maybe I wouldn't leave him undrafted. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of fun picks at the end of the draft. Maybe that's where you want to take your, uh, you know, Luke Hughes or Logan Cooley, like just take like a swing on a, on a prospect or something. But maybe Severson is another person you should add to that list of like someone to take a swing on and see what he could do on a new team. I can fill in like one small piece of the blank, which is that like Dauber has, uh, you know, if you go to Frozen Tools or Frozen Pool, whichever one it's called, it's called both. It's at frozenpool.daubersports.com, but it's called Frozen Tools. Both work. Um, Zach Wierenski is Band-Aid Boy certified. So I have a feeling that that has something to do with it. Um yeah, well, Wierenski. no, no. I'm looking at the, you know, on the on his guide page. He has like the yeah. all the players there. He has Wierenski also on PP one. He has Goudreau, Jenner, yeah. Line, Wierenski, Severson. Well, may- maybe he feels a little more emboldened considering like how much time Wierenski has missed over the last few years. But Fair. yes, you're yeah. right. Like I, I'm, you're looking for that fourth forward on the Columbus top power play, and like it's wide open, right? Like it could be Marchenko, it could be Roslovic, it could be Kent Johnson. I don't know. Could it be Alex Texier? At this I mean, point? Fantilli could Fantilli, get it yeah. early. Yeah, there's a lot of like Cole, uh, Cole Sillinger's even in the picture too. So if he makes the team, if he makes the team. All right. So how about next up? We can jump back to Mason. Uh, I think years ago, Trev brought up the uh, goalie uh, insight that he had. So Mason, what do you have next on your list of of things you've noticed in these drafts? Yeah, I guess this is kind of more of a specific situation, but I've noticed in a few drafts, the uh, McDavid manager, usually sometimes dry title, but usually McDavid um, will end up stacking a couple other Oilers with him um, because of the third round reversal. Uh, whoever picks first overall has a pick at the end of the third and the start of the fourth. And right in that early fourth range, you have uh, Bouchard, Hyman, Kane, and Nugent Hopkins uh, all generally going in that area. And I'm just wondering, um, I don't know what what you might think about, you know, I generally against stacking, and I think that you are too, but um yeah whether it might be worth stacking with mcdavid (laughs) if mcdavid gets injured or underperforms you're probably not going to win your season anyway so you know might it be worth just grabbing a couple other players that are going to be along for the ride with that same power play um and just see what happens you know if you're trying to shoot for a a fast track title it might be worth just grabbing a bunch of these players and seeing if uh if they all hit you could have an insane season I think it's a fun idea for sure. And like the thing is like with the Hyman, Kane, like R&H, like they're not all guaranteed to play with McDavid. So you have to also kind of, you know, not only have McDavid, I mean, McDavid's not going to underperform, but I guess whatever, you know, not get injured, whatever. But also, yeah, you have to kind of pick the right guy there. But you're like you're saying, if you if you do hit right, it could be huge. Bouchard, though, like I think in the fourth round, that's a great time to get Bouchard if you can get him, uh, because I think he's still kind of underrated. I wonder how it's going to look once we actually get to drafts. Um, but, you know, if you look at the D taken ahead of Bouchard, I'm just going to go through the ADP right now from our mocks. You've got Makar, Yozi, uh, Dalin, Dougie Hamilton, Eric Carlson, Miro Haskinen, Adam Fox, and then scrolling, scrolling, John Carlson. Uh, so we're, we're still waiting a while. Brandon Montour? What? Quinn Hughes? Sergachev? Did I just miss Bouchard here? Oh, I did. Okay, sorry. So Bouchard was after uh, Adam Fox. But still, so um, there's quite a few defensemen. And like some of them, I think that Bouchard might have higher upside. Like just like being this top guy on Edmonton with no competition. As I just feel like people are not fully wrapping their heads around like how huge this could be. Uh, so 
I could see him easily getting like 70, 80 points. And who knows? He's still super young. So maybe he even has upside for more. Like maybe he can have like an Eric Carlson type season. Uh, like I would t- like, would it be crazy to say that I would take Bouchard over Eric Carlson uh, for next year? No. That's where yeah. I'm like I love that take. I, like, I think it's perfectly reasonable. Uh, like there's fewer question marks. I have zero question marks for Evan Bouchard. I don't know if anybody does. Like to me, there's no flag there with Carlson. You've got the new team flag. You've got the older flag. You've got the, the, the full power play flag uh, age injury like there's a whole host of concerns that don't go away with one fantastic return to form and like carlson could still very well end up in a like like fall in the 60 70 point range and that's great like i would still be happy with that from carlson this year i wouldn't be like oh i can't believe he didn't like have another 100 point season whereas bouchard i feel like that is also going to be automatic there's upside for more like there is with carlson and uh again for me like none of the red flags like i guess like i don't know if anyone still thinks like egg home might get some play uh but i don't i don't see why that would happen as i didn't at the time when uh barry was first traded um but yeah bouchard going 43rd in our uh adp right now is uh what is he like the the seventh or eighth defenseman being taken so that's uh like I think that's reasonable. I'm just, I'm just uh, looking down the list. So Carlson is is ta- being taken 34th overall as the fifth defenseman taken. But yeah, like yeah, even like I'd, I'll wait for Bouchard. Like I like Rasmus Dahlin a lot. Like I'll take Bouchard over Dahlin, who's going a lot higher. So I don't know. I guess uh, it'll be fun to see how it plays out next year. I know Derek Trev's giving me a look like I don't know about that one, but it's just like uh, eh, anyway. Uh, so Mason, do <laughs> why don't you go ahead? <laughs> Yeah, I would also take Dalina over Bouchard, but I do like Bouchard where he's going. And uh, just with Brian mentioning his ADP of 43, that's the first pick of the fourth round. So McDavid has gone at first overall every single time. It seems like a lot of people are taking that pick. And then obviously, if you did want to go fully in on the stack, um, I think Nugent Hopkins is obviously the best, most likely to have top power play. He's done that for like six years um and then hyman maybe more if you're looking for even strength pairing with mcdavid totally uh so trev want to jump in next with your next observation you've seen um so first a question for elon are you planning on doing uh a like a draft edition of a matchup maximizer okay i was planning on doing that yes i keep on uh delaying it because okay so what you're talking about is like for the first couple weeks of the yeah. season that people can use for their drafts because that this is a really good suggestion was it you who suggested it in the discord was that um i might have i also put it in my notes for the episode okay so. yeah someone suggested that that like it's a really good tip right so in general when you're drafting think of like your last couple picks these are guys you're going to stream right and so if you if you take that a step further what kinds of players do you stream? You stream players with good schedules. So why not make your last couple picks players on teams with really good schedules for the first couple of weeks? You don't have to waste early streams. At all. Or like imagine if you take you know swings on guys just to realize afterwards, oh, this player only plays like two times over the first two weeks or, or whatever. So yeah, I'm going to do a matchup maximizer, which is for new listeners, a show I was doing uh, last year in the second half, like every week, just kind of looking at the next week's schedule to look at who you could stream in, who has like teams that play a lot on, on off days is obviously better than playing on busy days. Uh, yeah, so I am planning on doing that now that Yahoo has opened. They just opened this past week. So now I can get a sense of what the schedule will look like for the first couple of weeks on Yahoo just to see if they like combine weeks or not. I haven't actually checked yet, but yeah, I'll be dropping that sometime the next like 
couple weeks. Uh, yeah, and I guess that's going to be your tip, right? That people should be looking at the schedule. Uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a list of a couple of teams that have good schedules, bad Please. schedules, but you can do that in an episode, or do you want the list? Well, just give us a, a couple uh, notable teams, yeah. Okay, so these are teams with, in the first three weeks, eight or nine games and five-plus off nights. Uh, so that would be Calgary, Washington, and New Jersey. So those are teams with good schedules for the first three weeks. All right, so can we dive in here? Calgary, Washington, and New Jersey. Who's like a player that you would take? Like in like, you know, let's like all like maybe brainstorm or come up with a couple. Like in the rounds like 16, 17, 18, who are you looking at from those teams? Uh, Dawson Mercer. You've got uh, Mangiapani in uh, Pelche. Um, maybe if Dylan Strom falls that far. Mm-hmm. Or Mikhail yeah, Backlund is another guy yeah, who might sure. who might go undrafted, who would be really valuable, who could be really valuable in those early days. My first thought was Pelletier too, just at the chance of the. Um, I think he has a chance for a really good deployment this year if he can take a step forward. And they have a new coach, so we'll see what happens. Uh, what were the other teams again? Chicago and no Washington, no, no, New sorry. Jersey, and Calgary. <laughs> Washington, New Jersey. Uh, one name that jumps out to me, which I don't know, like maybe it depends kind of if you're in a draft with people who love prospects or not, but I'm pretty stoked about Luke Hughes coming in and having potentially a really good rookie year. But especially if you could take him late and there's like a good schedule on New Jersey anyways to start, then it's like, why not? Right? Like take him, get those eight, nine games over three weeks. And then if he stinks, you could just drop him. But like Luke Hughes is someone I would grab there, but maybe he's going to be going earlier in drafts for people who like are. How far is, how far is Tom Wilson falling? Probably not that far. I don't think you're getting him that late, but even when you're in the mid round, right? Like if you're deciding who to take and you're getting like some people like I stream a lot, like I need like four <laughs> stream spots, five stream spots to start. Cause I'm going to be finding guys on free agency right away. And I'm going to need to have people to drop. So uh, not that I can, would drop Tom Wilson. But. So can I, uh, like, since we're talking about Luke Hughes for a second, hit me like this, this to me does not feel exactly like an Owen Power situation from last year where we had like this new, you know, stud, uh, like future top pairing upside defenseman, tons of offense in his career so far, um, showing up on a team and having like no power play role to speak of. Oh, and call like coming out of college too. Um, I just don't know like how big an opportunity Luke Hughes is actually going to be able to have here. Like, well, why do you I, the, say no power play opportunity at all? Like why couldn't he be the quarterback of the second from power? power. Play? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So you could throw, give him like, you know, eight to 10 power play points if things go well in that scenario. And I like, I also think that the devils will like could score more goals than the Sabres did last year. But like Owen Power had eight power play points last year from the second unit, um, 36 point pace. Is there reason to think like, do we do? Are we sure we think that Luke Hughes is poised to do like a whole lot more than that? Like, is it worth like, sure. I'm not, I'm not like last round, a great schedule to start. Go for it. But I'm seeing Luke Hughes go like ahead of that. Um, I'm just checking his ADP. Yeah, he's going yeah in the 13th round, which yeah. is <laughs> way higher than that. Yeah, yeah, 188 out of 252. Um, ahead of uh, like Brock Besser and Carter Hart are like right there, but like ahead of defensemen uh, Spurgeon, Sanderson, Klingberg, Tyson Barry. Like these aren't 
uh, Dimitri Orlov, Jeff Petrie. These, yeah, these, these are all, like these are boring defenseman picks that are, might be free agency. So they are not? pretty boring picks. So maybe that's it. Maybe this is the point of the draft where folks are thinking like, oh yeah, like I'll I'll take the swing on Luke Hughes, but like. I don't know. I, I saw the same sort of excitement around Owen Power last year. And like, I'm just not sure like how much how much room there is for Luke Hughes to actually have some kind of breakout season. Yeah, I don't find those defensemen in that range actually that boring. I mean, there are some boring players in there, but uh, and guys that I would draft. But I think like Forsling is someone who I'd rather have for the start of the season because he has a chance at running the top power play in Florida as long as uh, Montour's out or Ekblad's out at least. Um, or if you wait a little bit after Hughes is going, you know, maybe Klingberg um, has a chance at the top power play in Toronto. They were shifting Riley off last year without even having anyone really to replace him. So they just went five forwards. Um, I think both of those guys have a better chance and, I don't know. I'm excited about Hughes long-term, but I think he's being drafted way ahead of a lot of the other rookies and he should be down in those like 17th round with them. Yeah. I think it's the kind of thing for me, like Gustav Forsling sure might be good to start because he'll run, you know, might be on the top power play. Maybe not. Maybe it's Oliver Ekman Larson, like you suggested before. I think the excitement with someone like Luke Hughes, but it depends like how high you draft him. Like, I don't want to go crazy here. I'm not like, so like I, I don't want to be like the person that's like reaching for him like crazy but i think like when you're getting to this point in the draft where you have a bunch of defensemen who you know are just going to be like pretty close to replacement maybe you have a couple exceptions but like why not take the guy that maybe has a 20 percent chance 10 percent chance to end up being great even though like maybe you'll end up dropping him but like he is like if you go to like the athletic and look at this like their most recent article that's like their top 50 top prospects like it was just dropped recently by scott wheeler and like luke hughes is the top defenseman in the in the whole list right at seventh overall like he's just like so good so when brian said is there a reason to believe he'll have an opportunity i think the reason to believe it is just because he's like so like freaking good but he still has to earn a spot over dougie hamilton which is going to be tough and like maybe even blah 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 blah. i'm just saying like like, i'm just saying like he's such a good player that i wouldn't mind having like a lottery ticket uh, at this point in the draft, because if we're if we're talking like, oh, or I could take Tyson Barry, who's for sure behind, you know, like uh, Yozy and like also might even get benched for games like we've seen happen before in his career. Like, just give me but like the guy who has a 3F2D power. Play. Maybe. So, yeah, I'd rather take the maybe high upside once it's like guys that I think are close to replacement level anyways. But maybe that's but again, like I'm not reaching if you were to tell me more exciting defenseman names like in Jake Sanderson, actually, like also for a similar reason. Right. I think he has a ton of upside. And so I wouldn't include him in my list of boring defensemen. But uh, I'm trying this year in Cupville. I want to take the like I think this is a good draft strategy in general, a reasonable number of swings. I don't want to take too many swings. I don't want my whole roster to need to like be lottery ticket hits in order for me to be successful. But I want to have like five let's say like swings that are of guys that have super high upside that might be nothing and I'll drop them, but might also be like these like league winning picks was like, how the hell did you get Luke Hughes in the, in the 16th round? And he turned out to be a 50 point. Def- oh my God. Like, you know, like last, it happens every year, right? Where there's these guys that fell super you wanna, far. You want to so be I, the guy. I, I want to be the one who guys. has that person. Yeah. Well, I can tell you uh, like the, the consensus taking it all the way back to the start of the episode, Ekman Larson has been drafted in two leagues and you mentioned Forsling. I'm like, Oh, I should check. Forsling has been drafted in 21. So I think in, in, of our mom, drafts so i think that's uh out of 24 so that i mean i like forcing i have him in my dynasty league me too (laughs) um so i trev i know like one question you've been asking like at the end of every mock draft was like you were asking people who 
their favorite picks were, like the guys that, you know, everyone's thinking at the end of their draft that they're, they're going to have the guy that Elon was just talking about, like, ah, oh, how did you get that guy? So, uh, like, have you noticed any trends in who people are feeling, like, most satisfied with? Uh, like, I'm even curious to know, like, if it's people that they drafted early on or middle or late in our cupful setup. Um, but where, you know, where on the spectrum between one and 252, these guys fall. And uh, like, if there's, if there's been any discernible trends from the the sort of draft picks that are getting people the most excited. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of answers, but I'd say I'd, I looked at all of them and I'd put them in three categories. You got the bounce back category, you got sleepers and you got the breakout candidates, which, so we've like for some examples for bounce backs, you've got Huberto and Ehlers. Some people have said that those were their favorite picks because, you know, they're convinced that they're, I mean, is Ehlers a bounce back? We've had, you, you guys have had that discussion. Um, sleepers, you've got, uh, ghost is bear ghost. I just wrote ghost bear. That counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zaka, uh, Bertuzzi, uh, Matheson, Brown. And then uh, for breakout candidates, uh, we got McTavish, Heaton, Fantilli, Cooley, like all of those, like those guys have all been mentioned. So, yeah. And probably like with those breakouts, just to like finish my point from before, like maybe only one of them will break out, but maybe one of them will break out like big, you know? But you want to be that guy. Yeah. Well, I'll just take all four. And then, I mean, but obviously, depending who I'm leaving, you know, if I have all four, then I get one. <laughs> I get the one. But yeah, those those are all fun names. Uh, Brian, anyone jump out at you that you wanted to talk about from that list? Oh, well, it's interesting how many of them we've already covered. Right? Yeah, exactly. We were um, on top of this. Huberto is like a really like interesting one, right? Because you're like, I feel like no one is drafting Huberto at the right spot this year. You're, you're overdrafting him or underdrafting him. I mean, someone's going to get him at the right time, probably. Um, but his ADP right now is 80th for some reason over the last five mocks his adp has jumped 12 spots like it's one of the biggest jumps uh over the last five mocks we've seen so that 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 would put him like 68th if that holds um but the the forwards huberto is being drafted ahead of our buchnievich who i think i'd prefer pavelski boldy ehlers to foley reinhardt shifley nichushkin nechas like it's a uh, drafting Hubert is going to be tricky. And Elon last year, I like he was on my do not draft list. And I always have to pair that with so was Matthew Kachuk. So like it was not necessarily the right decision to have, but like just because of the change in situation this year, Hubert was not on my do not draft list, but I am still a little scared to do it. Um, Elon, would you draft Jonathan Hubert in any league this year? I mean, like, of course, at the yeah. right time, mm-hmm. but like assume like 80, like ar- around that crop of forwards that I just named. I don't think so. Like, and maybe I'll miss out, but it just, I don't see a reason why he'll like be so like, I know he was great before in Florida, but like, he's like lost p- good players to play with. Like he's not gaining, like he's lost to Foley now. Um, like who know maybe like you brought guys brought up like Peltier or someone like might jump in and be good but it's like I don't know I'm not like super excited about him and like you know you bring up guys like Ehlers who I feel like has more upside at this point like Sam Reinhart we talked about as a green boy last year like was really good in the second half I'd feel more confident but I who knows like my gut this is like a gut feeling because like how can we predict a guy who went from like 110 points to like 60 point pace less than that 
But uh, my gut says that I'm not super excited. But like, if he falls a little bit further, like maybe you know, I'll take my head of Nechas Nachushkin. But I think I'll take uh, like the Shifley Reinhardt Ehlers group before him. That's that's my gut right now. And also, I'm gonna like you know pour over a ton of mocks and a, a ton of like projections and kind of you know maybe reassess. I don't know. What do you, like? What do you think? Are you asking me? I don't know. I'm asking. Oh, I already I already shared. So I said, Trev, is your yeah, my, my, my question was going to add to Brian's question. It was like, of the two bounce-back candidates, would you have taken Ehlers or Huberdeau? And I think you answered that, and you'd say you'd probably rather Ehlers. I also just like guys who take a lot of shots, right? So that's I'd like my, my weakness. Yeah. yeah, Mason, what, where, where do, what do you think about, uh, is Huberdeau someone you would take at around the spot or not? Uh, I don't think I would. And I took him in a mock or two when he was going later. I think he's jumped these 12 spots in the last five, but he's also jumped, (laughs) you know, a round or two from where he was going in the early mocks. And I think that might be, you know, with the ADP sheet coming out as well as uh, the fan tracks ranking, he actually shows up now. Whereas before, if you sorted anything by last year's stats, you're not going to find him on any list. And so people just weren't thinking about him, myself included. And that's why he was falling so far. Um, yeah, I just don't know if he's going only at the end of the fifth round, like in these last mocks, there's there's just not that much upside, even if he bounces back, like he has to have a very significant bounce back to, you know, even be good and to provide value at the spot. And yeah, I can only really see his ceiling kind of going up or round and a half from where he's being drafted. And it's just not worth the risk um, when he was so bad last year. Yeah, like I brought up Rob Thomas early on saying how like even if he has like a really good year, like an 80 point year, he might only be barely above replacement just because he doesn't shoot too much. Like uh, Huberto shot 1.6 shots per game last year and like no peripherals, you know, no hits, no block. Well, actually, I think, shouldn't say no hits. Like he had think, 65 hits. But. Do you think though, like Daryl Sutter told him, like if you take two shots a night, like I'm taking your ice time so down 10 minutes, like you're off the maybe. top hat. Like I feel like there were like some background threats around like how Huberto, like I'm really interested to see Huberto get a like a fresh yeah. start with an organization that is moving on completely from last year. Um, in the same vein, um, or not in the same vein, actually, but I just wanted to point out, like, of the names you mentioned, Trev, that people were saying were their their favorite picks. You know, we talked about Kim Atkinson and Elvis Merzlikens as guys who you might want to, like, dig deep. You're not going to find them by most rank it like, draft room rankings. So, like, you're going to want to go out of your way to make sure they're on the list. Elon, you mentioned Connor Brown earlier, who Trev mentioned in his list, too. And one other name that you're going to want to go digging for. And, like, we'll do a whole show on, like, the Yahoo rankings once they, like, stabilize somewhat from the mess that they've been released as. But, like, Pavel Zaka is another guy that you're going to want to, like, manually add to your list. Because if you sort the usual ways, um, you might not find him in your draft room. Oh, Josh Norris, uh, Mason's also pointing out. And, yeah, that's right. If you sort the traditional ways, you won't find him. Uh, to go back to Huberto, to defend him a little bit, like it was never reasonable to expect the three shots a game that he was getting in his last year in Florida to stay that because he was like a two shots per game guy in years previously. And then also Sutter played him on his wrong wing for like 70% of the season, which didn't help him. Yeah. So maybe there's room for a bounce back, but it's just like, how much does he have to bounce back? To well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, ex- I don't think fifth round is reasonable either. Yeah. Maybe uh, 70 points, like seems yeah. something he can do. 
I, I mean, again, the like Calgary is like very, like we have a new coach and we're saying like, oh, Sutter just totally, you know, pooped the bed and didn't know what he was doing at all. But like, there's no guarantee the next coach will be that much better. But I guess we'll find out. Who is it? Who is it, by the way? Who is the coach? The coach? Ryan Huska. Yeah. Who, who's that? Um, That's such a good question. <laughs> I have not read like any kind of profile on this guy. Like, I have no idea what I, he was drafted in the third round uh, by okay. Chicago in 1993 native of cranbrook bc i have his hockey db page up here of course he's 48 years old this is going into uh this is age 48 season that he's making his his coach his nhl coaching debut but he was assistant coach to sutter like last season does that mean Uh, that yeah i don't i i I don't know i really don't know we need to have an interview with him and need to know like were you gritting your teeth at all these bad decisions the whole time or were you like championing it and like (laughs) suggesting it to sutter yeah what was your role in all this he only played a one this is not what you want to know (laughs) i'm ready to detail his whole minor league career he played one nhl game with chicago where uh, he did not tally oh he's like that uh doctor in field of dreams didn't he like only get one game? You know, I've never seen that. the movie. Oh, this is one, one of it's good. Embarrassing movie admissions, which I'm full of them. I haven't seen any movie. And then he like asks him, like, do you regret like not like ever getting to play? You know, it was like your dream. And then he's like, no, because I became a doctor and like I got to save all these children's lives. It was all like, it was very emotional to me at the time. I don't know. I, I don't know if it holds up. I, I remember it pretty well. Anyway, I think Field of Dreams gets brought up a disproportionate amount on this podcast. <laughs> I like that movie. <laughs> we should have a Keeping Carlson and Patron movie night, and I'll watch Field of Dreams. Um, but anyhow, this has been so fun, man. The time has flown by. I can't believe it's already been almost two hours. Uh, but I think we got through both of your lists of observations. Are we missing anything? Uh, Mason, is there anything you wanted to bring up uh, before we uh, end this broadcast? Yeah, I think this tracks with some of the last couple things we've been talking about in terms of drafting for upside and, you know, what kind of risk you're you're willing to take on and where you can find value. And um, one place that I noticed that uh, some players like that could be found is in like the 11th round, Max Pacioretty and Patrick Kane are both going currently. And um, Mark Stone is also kind of one that's on my radar, but he's going a little bit earlier. Uh, but I could see Patretti and Kane each having great seasons once they're playing. And um, obviously there's uh, some injury concerns with them. They might not, uh, either of them might not be ready to start the season. But um, in a league like this, where you really need to do well in the playoffs, uh, I think like if you're able to draft these kind of players in the 11th round, even if they don't play for the first month or two, um, they could end up being so valuable for your team later and, um, you know, hoping for say a Huberto bounce back or a breakout from, uh, Luke Hughes, when you can get these guys, um, you know, way later than Huberto or just before Luke Hughes, um, I, I think they have a way higher chance of providing, you know, multiple rounds of value, if not like seven rounds, um, you know, where they give you like a fourth round value or, or better once they come back. So um, those are a couple of guys that I'm looking at that I love grabbing. You know, if you're fading D and goalies and say you've taken eight forwards in your first 10 picks, you've got all your um, forward roster spots filled up then grabbing a couple guys like these to sit on your bench or go into um ir and then you can grab some early streamers uh seems like a great strategy to me 
Yeah, I actually really love the idea of ending the draft with a couple of IR eligible players because it is so fun to stream at the start. And, it's all, and it's all, sometimes you draft too well. You're like, you don't have anyone you want to drop. You, you like everyone you drafted. You want to see how they're going to do. So it's nice if you just force yourself to like have a couple open spots so you can stream. And then, yeah, if you get a free Pacioretty, like I think we all kind of agree that if Pacioretty's healthy, he's probably going to be really good. Like he's always been really good in fantasy like for so long. He's like, even in the years when he was like slowing down a bit in Vegas, like when he first got there, he was still like shooting a lot. He was still like worth rostering. So, uh, yeah, I really like that advice, and it'll be fun to even see where Patrick Kane goes. Yeah, I wouldn't mind starting the year with both of those guys in my IR. Um, I'll make. Can I throw out one quick? Uh, I was trying to come up with my own draft tip, and I think one thing that. I feel like a lot of people give the advice when you're doing a snake draft is like, you know, you want to kind of have a sense of the ADPs and like using Kevin's sheet is really useful because you don't want to like take a guy early when you could have like waited around, you know, and gotten him at the round later. So even if like you like this guy the best, like, you know, you still might not want to take him because you could just like wait and get him, get him later. And that's kind of like the draft strategy. So I just want to like push back a little bit on that common advice, which I don't even know if you guys would like espouse that advice, but like, just keep in mind there's like it all it takes is one person to like agree with you on that player and then you don't get him and like in my mocks actually it's fun i thought of this because you brought up patcheretti and he was someone who i had in my uh watch list and one of my mocks i was thinking like yeah he would be a good guy to end up with but like i'm sure he won't get taken you know like i think i could still take like another guy and i'll get patcheretti in my next pick and then i got sniped and i feel like that happens a lot so i would say like don't be too afraid to like reach for someone if like you really believe in that guy like and don't reach like five rounds ahead but you know like it's like you're probably especially in a couple you're probably drafting with a lot of smart people and if you think you're smart like and i guess maybe that's tough like if you think like you know that taylor hall is going to be like someone worth drafting like the first three rounds maybe then you should like hold yourself back but like if you think that like this guy might be worth reaching for because you think he has the upside to like be really good like there might be someone else in the draft that feels the same way so i wouldn't like beat yourself up if like according to kevin's sheet you know like he does this really cool thing afterward kind of like it ranks the draft and tells people like how well they did in terms of like how many players you reached for based on their adp versus how many guys you got at a good discount like, I don't mind having a bad score in Kevin's sheet if, like, I'm happy with the players and I think they're going to perform for those picks. So just something to maybe uh, throw out there to close out. Uh, any thoughts, uh, Brian? I see you you're, you're got something you want to say about that. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, like, I have one draft. Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything new, but, like, anecdotally... Uh, in the cupful, like I'm with you on that. You know, don't don't take a chance that the guy you want is going to be around. But I do have like a, a like a friends like a home league friends draft where basically my whole draft is predicting, like trying to figure out what draft list everyone else is using and predicting when like how late I can leave certain guys and basically playing the whole draft on the razor's edge and like it works out for probably like. I don't know, seven out of 10 guys. And it really, like, it feels great for the seven. It stings so hard for the three. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure, like, I really get mad um, missing out on those those few or, like, few, you know, it's always, like, we're just taking our best guess at the start of the season. But it is a, it, it can be a fun game to play in a casual league. Like, how late can I get this guy? But if you really, like, want to win, I am 100% with you, Elon. It just, it just takes one, one other manager to, to take your pick away that you think you're gonna like coast to later on trev you have one thing to add and then uh then i think we'll wrap it up yeah i think it comes back to like if you go back to you know your personal sleepers you take a look at you know when they're going don't take them in that route 
because there's no guarantee that you're going to get them in that round. Like take them again, if you're very, very high on them, maybe you take them a round and a half early, like, you know, make, make sure that if you're very high on a guy, just get the guy. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, so this has been so fun. You guys are great. I feel like I could just keep chatting for like another hour. <laughs> like I, I think easily. It's, it's so fun. I always said the same thing at the end of the podcast with Victor also. Uh, Brian, I don't say it when I, we do shows, uh, but it's not because I don't feel the same way, but just we always have more shows to do. But I was like, oh no, we're, we're done our show with Mason and Trev. But yeah, it would be great to have you guys back on sometime because it's clearly you know your stuff. You've been doing so many mock drafts. This has been a blast. Uh, I guess I'll throw to uh, Mason first. Is there anything you want to like tell people about to check out? Anything you want to promote? I have nothing to promote as uh, Dave calls me Twitterless Mason. Uh, yeah, I'm on threads, Twitterless Mason, but uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing there to look at yet. So uh, you can find me in the Discord along with everyone else. We have a contract with Mason that he does not post anywhere but in our Discord server as like a patron perk. Like this is the <laughs> one way to reach Mason online. That's pretty good. Uh, and Trevia, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Great debut on the show anything you want to throw out there for people to check out um i am also twitterless trevor (laughs) and you can only find me on the discord okay well then we definitely don't mind you're using your promo time to promote uh joining our discord because you can hang out with cool people like these guys (laughs) gonna get a contract set up with you too All right. So uh, then with that, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you thought. You can uh, hit us up in the Discord, of course, in the KK Episode Discussion channel. If you're still on the Twitter, you know, tweet tweet at us. We wouldn't mind a five-star review. If you really like the show, you want to, like, you know, help us out. That's always a nice thing you can do. Uh, And yeah, like uh, we've been talking about, come play in this league, the Cupful. And uh, the first step is to become a patron of Keeping Carlson. That's one of the many perks. You get to hang out with Mason and Trev in the Discord and also play in our league. And we even have more. So check out uh, keepingcarlson.com slash patron for info on how to become a patron or uh, kcupful.com, kkupfl.com for information about the league specifically. Uh, but with that, Brian, let's cue the outro music. And why don't you read us the credits and take us out of here? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, Aaron, Ivan, Andrea, Zachary, Tom, Derek, David, Rob, Ricard, and Patty. Uh, thank you to our couple coordinator, Kevin A. Bear, who we are working. Uh, like Elon, Kevin, and I, we had a, like an official call to get... We, we have some dates lined up. We're going to announce them soon on our Discord server, but like registration for the couple we're not kidding around it's happening it's in full swing if you're not in yet and you want to be uh kkupfl elon already said all that so i won't even finish the dot com part okay I, anyway um uh game day news uh gamedaytweets.com is where you're going to find elon and champs so we'll net all the fancy news we are on blue sky if that matters <laughs> to anyone uh are we tweeting there brian i actually i might have an invite i don't know i haven't checked lately but if you promise to follow us we could use the 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 clout i did tweet there i i I skeeted there uh that's the the i just feel like if you're promoting blue sky you gotta like actually do something on i I did about our last episode when we released it and i'm thinking maybe i'll oh it wasn't like an actual like interesting it was just kind of like oh check out our latest episode yeah no one's gonna will, follow us just for that they already found the episode i was thinking of being more interesting on blue sky but like right. i'm just double posting to twitter also 
This is a promise from Brian that this week there's going to be a couple <laughs> interesting uh, okay. pieces of content on Blue Sky. But, but like exclusively, you want me to keep it off our Twitter? Yeah, like I mean, you're, you threw it out there. I want a couple. It's like it'll something be on you can both. only find if you follow oh. us on Blue Sky. Okay. Well, why would they follow us on Blue Sky then if it's also on Twitter? Well, because uh, like maybe you don't spend time on Twitter these okay. days. Anyway, um, logo art by BrandonWeave.com. <laughs> Outro music by Pat Roach. Uh, this episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving ho- Hockey Cap Friendly, The Athletic, Hockey Reference, Hockey Face, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and fan tracks for its amazing mock draft functioning. Always open, 25 7, 366. I should have put an 8 in the middle there. Um, but like always open, thank you, fan tracks, and uh, for the slow draft functionality too. Um, you rule. Great job, as always, Brian. Thanks again for the interesting discussion, Mason and Trev. And Brian, I guess we'll be back next week to finish our Red Boys, which we never did. We have an episode planned where we're going to talk about players from last season that were great in the first half and then took a real nosedive in the second half. And we're going to figure out what happened uh, probably next week or the week after. But, but Brian, what should people be doing while they're waiting for that episode to drop? While you are, please keep doing all you can, no matter what social media or like real life space you inhabit. Uh, Keep doing all you can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone. Follow me on LinkedIn. Do we have a Keeping Carlson LinkedIn set up? Actually, I think you did. So you could add it to your own personal like LinkedIn page, like works at Keeping Carlson. I think it exists. I'll post some content there. (laughs) All right. See you, everyone.